Hi, I'm Rick Warren and Merry Christmas. Christmas is going to be here very soon. And Jesus said in Luke 14, 23, go out into the highways and the countryside and urge everybody you find to come in so that my house will be full. Who are you thinking of to bring to your church? Maybe it's a friend or a neighbor or maybe your accountant or the person who rings up your groceries at the local market. Whoever it is, I want to challenge you to be a light at Christmas and invite them to services at your church. This is Pastor Rick's Daily Hope, the audio broadcast ministry of Pastor Rick Warren. Today, we continue with our Christmas series called Behold the Best News Ever. In this series, Pastor Rick looks into the Bible and shares the good news that God really wants us to behold this Christmas. Before we get started, we want to let you know that very generous friends of the ministry are offering a $100,000 matching grant. That means that every dollar you give right now to help Daily Hope share the hope of Jesus around the world will be matched up to $100,000, making your gift go twice as far. You can find out more by going to PastorRick.com or by texting the word DAILY to 800-600-5004. Right now, here's Pastor Rick with part two of a message called, Behold the Best News Ever. All right, now we come to the second part of God's plan for history and God's plan for you. First part, God came to earth, he became a human being, called Jesus Christ. Here's the second thing God wants you to think about at Christmas. Behold, God lived a perfect life, a sin-free life on earth. This is real important, we'll come back to it in a minute. He lived a sin-free life on earth, then he paid for your sins and my sins so that we would not have to. That's really good news. You're not gonna get any better news than that. Everything you've ever done wrong in life has already been paid for. Even the sins you haven't committed yet, they were all paid for on the cross. Now, follow me on this. Most people understand the logic that we are responsible for our own actions. I can't blame you for the dumb decisions I make. Uh, And we also know that there has to be penalties when you break a law or when you hurt people. There's a penalty to be paid for that. We have to pay for the wrongs that we do. There's a concept that's called justice. We all know that, we all want justice. That's not fair, he got away scot-free. Now in Buddhist thought, the idea that you can, that whatever happens to you in life is because you deserve it. That's, that's called karma in Buddhism. And it means if bad things happen to you, it's because you're a bad person. That's what Buddhism teaches. There's no innocent suffering. Anything that happens wrong to you, you deserve it. It's not a very encouraging thought, but God in Jesus Christ came up and introduced a new concept, greater than justice and greater than karma. It's called redemption and grace. You're gonna like this one. And the idea of redemption and grace is that somebody else could pay for your sins so that you could be forgiven and go scot-free. They do your time, they pay your penalty, they pay your ticket that the things that you need to be paid back for, all things you've done wrong, somebody else could pay for them instead. And that's what Jesus Christ did. This is really good news. Now, here's what happened. 
At the baptism of Jesus, this idea was first announced. Jesus was 30 years old when he was baptized. Look at this, John chapter one. One day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him. He's gonna be baptized. So John announced, behold, there's that word, circle it, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, we may not understand, what's he talking about here, the Lamb of God? We don't understand this, but every Jewish person in the world knows the symbolism of this verse. Because once a year in the Jewish faith, a perfect spotless lamb was sacrificed at Passover to represent the salvation and the redemption of everybody, that we're all forgiven. Now, after Jesus Christ dies on the cross for my sin and your sin, there was no longer any need for any symbolic sacrificing of animals. But when they were doing that, the lamb that was gonna be sacrificed for the sin of other people had to be spotless. It had to be a perfect lamb. Only a perfect life could die for all our imperfections. I can't die for your sins, because I'm a sinner. I'm imperfect. You can't die for my sins, because you're imperfect. Only a, a perfect spotless lamb could die for everybody else's imperfections. Now, it's interesting to me that when the people who wanted to crucify Jesus brought Jesus to their Roman governor in Jerusalem, his name was Pilate, you heard of this guy, and they bring Jesus to Pilate for a trial. It's one of six trials Jesus went through. And Pilate takes Jesus aside and interviews him. Now, he's no Christian, he's a pagan. Uh, He's a Roman dude. And he interviews Jesus, and after he interviews him, he acknowledges that Jesus had done nothing wrong. He was totally innocent. Look at this next verse, Luke chapter 23. Then Pilate says to these leaders, you brought this man, Jesus, to me, but behold, there's that word, behold, I didn't find him guilty of any of your charges against him. By the way, neither did King Herod. That was another trial he went through. Neither did King Herod, for he sent him back to me. Behold, he's done nothing deserving death. So I'll just have him flogged and released. But they all cried out, no, crucify him. Pilate says, I find no fault in Jesus. I don't see any sin, I don't see any mistake, I don't see any error, I don't see anything, any crime that he's worthy of being punished for. So let me ask you tonight, a logical question. If you have not acknowledged Jesus Christ, that he has a right to your life, let me ask you, what do you find wrong with him? What do you find wrong with him? On what basis would you reject what he did for you? On what basis would you reject him as your savior? You see, Pilate gave everybody an opportunity to decide what they're gonna do with Jesus. And after the Roman soldiers had tortured Jesus, put thorns in his crown and his head, and put a robe, the Bible says this, look up here on the screen. This is after they had tortured him. So Jesus came out wearing a crown of thorns uh, and a purple robe that the soldiers had mocked him with. Then Pilate said to everyone, here's the word, behold the man. What's he doing here? What's Pilate doing? He said, I'm giving you a choice. 
I'm giving everybody a choice. What are you gonna do with Jesus? Behold the man. You can't ignore him. You can either accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, or you could reject him. They could accept him, or they could crucify him. What are you gonna do this Christmas with Jesus Christ? Accept him as your savior or reject him? You gonna behold Jesus or are you gonna betray Jesus? Now we come to the third and the fourth part of God's plan, his eternal plan for all of history and for you. Part one, God comes to earth. He comes in a human form, Jesus Christ, so we can know what God's like. Number two, he lives a perfect life so he could die for all of our imperfections. He lives a sinless life so he could die for all of our sins. It's called redemption and grace. It's a new concept. So you don't have to pay for all the bad stuff you've done or I have done. Here's the third part of the plan. Behold, Jesus defeated death. He defeated death by raising himself back to life so we can live forever with him. We don't have to be afraid of death anymore. Jesus changed our understanding of death by defeating it. Now, listen, you guys. If Jesus had not come back to life on Easter Sunday, nobody in the world would be celebrating Christmas tonight. Why? Because Jesus would have been a liar, a fake, a phony, and a con man and he would have conned out 2.5 billion people uh, on the planet. Because he said, here's how I'm gonna prove that I am who I say I am. I am God. Now, a lot of people in history have claimed to be God. I could claim to be God. You could claim to be God. But only Jesus proved it. He said, I'm gonna let them kill me, they'll put me in the grave for three days, and three days later, I'll raise myself back to life. That's called a resurrection. That's not a resuscitation. We have resuscitations all the time. People die for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, or whatever, and then they come back to life. That's not a resurrection, that's a resuscitation. Resurrection means you've been buried for three days. Nobody does that. Only Jesus proved it. And it was such a significant event, it's the most important event in history. It split our entire calendar into AD and BC. Every other event in history is dated in relationship to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Your own birthday, your day, month, year, what is that all about? It's your day, month, year in relationship to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Every other event in history before BC or AD in the year of our Lord is related because of the resurrection. It split history, that's why it's the most important event in history, even more important than Christmas. Because Christmas wouldn't matter if that didn't happen. Now, notice how it happened on that first Easter morning. There on your outline, Matthew chapter 28 says this. And behold, there's that word, there was a great earthquake. And an angel came and rolled back the large stone in front of the tomb door and sat on it. This is kind of a little sarcasm here, he just sits on it. Now, what's this idea? In those days, they didn't bury people all the time in the ground, but they would often bury them in caves or in caverns, and they would, there was a lot of limestone in the Middle East, they'd dig out a family crypt, 
and not one person was buried in it, but lots of people. And every time somebody in a family died, they'd roll back the stone and put the new person in and roll it back. And generations of family members would be buried in the same tomb. Now this particular tomb was owned by a rich man named Joseph of Arimathea. Brand new tomb, he'd bought it, nobody had been buried in it yet. And it had this big stone. Now, the opponents of Jesus said, we've heard that he claims he's gonna come back to life. We don't want anybody stealing the body. So they said, here's what we want you to do. We want you to seal it with the Roman seal and put guards around Jesus' tomb. Jesus is the only tomb that's ever had to be guarded to keep the guy from coming back out. Okay, but they, they, they did that. Now, on Easter morning, an angel comes, breaks the seal, and here's what it says. It says, he sat in front of the tomb on the stone and his appearance was as bright as lightning. And the tomb guards were so frightened that they shook with paralyzing fear. But the angel said to the women, there were some followers of Jesus who had come back on Sunday to address and anoint his body with spices like the burial preparation. And the angel says to the women, don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified, but he's not here where he is risen just as he promised. And then he said, come on in, look at this, come on into the, into the grave tomb. Behold the place where they had laid his body. Now go tell his disciples that Jesus has risen from the dead. And behold, he'll meet you in Galilee. Lo, I have told you. Now if you want to circle lo and behold, that's the first mention of lo and behold in the Bible. Lo and behold, there it is, all right? Lo, I've told you. So the women hurried away, afraid, okay, they're afraid, yet filled with joy. And they ran to tell his disciples what the angel had told them. But here's the clincher. On the way, behold, Jesus met the women. Okay, he, uh, he's out walking around and he says, greetings. I guess that's the typical reaction for a risen savior. Greetings, how's it going? Amazed, they ran to him, embraced his feet and worshiped him. Okay, worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Second time in the Easter story. Don't be afraid, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers, I'm gonna meet them in uh, Galilee. Now, you probably know this, but Jesus didn't immediately return to heaven after he came back to life. Instead, he spent the next 40 days, 40 more days, walking around the streets of Jerusalem, meeting with people, eating with people, having dinner with people, talking with people. One time he preached a sermon to 500 people. This is why the faith spread so fast, why it went from 12 people to the dominant faith of the Roman Empire in a couple hundred years. Because there were tons of eyewitnesses which watched Jesus publicly be crucified to death and then later meet with him after the resurrection for the next 40 days. Can you imagine being one of the soldiers who put Christ to death and you're walking down the street one day in Jerusalem, all of a sudden he's there, he's back. That would be weird to see the guy that you know you just killed. So Jesus didn't just immediately go back to heaven. Lots of people saw him and, and talked to him. And one time he cooked, did a cookout for breakfast out at the Sea of Galilee for a bunch of people. After 40 days of giving people proof 
And everybody, then hundreds of thousands of people came to Christ almost instantly. Uh, Jesus gave these last instructions before he goes back to heaven. Next verse. Then Jesus told them, okay, now, go to all people everywhere and make them my disciples. Teach them to do everything I've shown you. Jesus never asked us to do something he hadn't already modeled. And behold, there's another behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's a good behold. This is a comforting fact. To behold and think about that no matter what happens in 2022, he says, behold, I am with you always. Did you know that God is always with you? That Jesus is always with you? So I don't always feel him. Jesus is not a feeling. Feelings come and go. Whether you feel them or not, it's irrelevant. He's always with you. You are never lonely by yourself when you realize God says, I am with you all the time. Jesus is always watching you. He's always waiting with you. He's always with you. And that's a comforting thing to know that I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. And I know that I'm ne- no matter what I go through this next year, I'm not going through it alone. And I can turn to God in any moment. Thank you so much for listening to Pastor Rick's Daily Hope. We've got some incredible news to share with you. Very generous friends have given a $100,000 matching grant to this ministry. That means all this month, every dollar you give to help Daily Hope share the transforming love of Jesus with people around the world will be matched up to $100,000. Here's Rick to tell you more. Hi, everybody. You know, as we come to the end of this year, one of the things that worries me the most is that there's still about 3,000 people groups, small tribes in the world, where there are no Bibles, no believers, and no body of Christ. We call these people the unreached, unengaged people groups, and it's one of the reasons we started Daily Hope, to take the good news to the final frontier. We need to make every effort to reach these people with a Bible, a believer, and a new church. Now, thanks to your support, we're being able to do this. Thanks to your support, we're now broadcasting on radio stations, literally, uh, not just across America, but all around the world. We're, we're in places like Rwanda and Uganda. We're in places like South Sudan, which has very, very little. Zambia, Korea, things like that. But we're also reaching even more people and more nations through the world with our Daily Hope podcast. Online, it goes literally to the whole world. Now, as we've in this year, I, I want to express to you how much I appreciate your prayer support and your financial support of Daily Hope for this global effort. I can't do it without you. You can't do it without me. And as you consider your year-end giving, I want to ask you to pray about giving a special gift to Daily Hope. Together, we're partners in going to the final frontier of people who have never heard of Jesus Christ. Now, the good news is this. A generous friend of Daily Hope is offering at the end of the year a matching gift. That's a, that's a challenge gift, which means they will match whatever gift you give. In other words, whatever you give will be doubled because of their matching that gift. So I'm gonna ask you, I'm gonna be very bold this. Give the biggest gift you can possibly give at the end of the year at this Christmas time. God gives his gift to us. We give our gifts back to him in Thanksgiving and out of Christmas, uh, we give our gifts to Jesus. It's his birthday. 
And when you do, it will be matched by a donor doubling the impact of your gift. Thanks so much. And we're going to enjoy the end of the holiday seasons and we're going to enjoy the new year together. God bless you. You can give right now by going to PastorRick.com or by texting the word daily to 800-600-5004. We'll say thanks by sending you the brand new Daily Hope Prayer Journal. Again, that's PastorRick.com or text the word daily to 800-600-5004. Thank you so much for your support. Be sure to join us next time as we look into God's Word for our daily hope. This program is sponsored by Pastor Rick's Daily Hope and your generous financial support.